Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. When it comes to hunting boots, how many pairs does one man need? Well, how many seasons are there? Turkey season? Deer season? Duck season? Dove season? Honey, how many pairs of boots does one man need? At least one more pair. For just about everything for hunting, go to MidwayUSA.com. I'm Larry Potterfield with Midway USA. Thanks for your business. Hey, I just got back from lunch. Did you finish that report yet? Uh, well, not exactly. Um, still working on it. I'm not finished just yet. Uh, I got a little sidetracked, but I will get them to you first thing this afternoon. <laughs> it is first thing this afternoon. Well, yeah, I, I understand that, but I mean, I, I am working on it. But what do you mean that the report isn't finished yet? I'm, I'm still in the process of working on it. I've just been a little distracted. T- distracted? Our meeting starts in an hour. You, no, no. What were you doing? Were you listening to another hunting podcast again? I swear, I give the staff in this office the freedom to do whatever they want to do as long as they meet a deadline. That is the first bullet underneath your job description. Pays attention to detail and deadline. And deadline. Are you even listening to me right now? Archery season has sadly come and gone, but your shooting does not have to stop there thanks to Williams Archery's indoor range. They offer hands-on shooting lessons and they run indoor shooting leagues throughout the off-season. Now is also a great time to go get the repairs done that you've been putting off all season. You can also check out their new bow lines of Hoyt, PSE, Elite, Bear, Parker, and more. The new bows are awesome. Tell them you heard about Williams Archery on the Whitetail Distraction Podcast when you give them a call at 724 727-9660. Welcome to episode 22 of the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. My name's Austin, and join me in my basement until it gets warm outside. Charles Headland, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. What's up? Oh, you know, just uh, was riding around the other day, saw a pretty nice buck. I heard that. I did. I heard that you saw him in an area we might be able to hunt him in. I think so. I think it was somewhere on that line, right? Mm. He was just up uh, on that line, right Mm. around the panhandle. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what I heard. Yeah, panhandle in between New York and West Virginia. Kid hasn't even told me where it's at yet. I have not, but we're going to go look for sheds, maybe. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. He was still holding, so. There's been uh, reports that sheds are dropping early. They have, and I've seen one that was a half rack, so that's good. I'm not going in anytime soon. I'm waiting until end of February, early March, probably. Probably end of February, closer to then, and then I'll start poking around in some places. That way you don't scare any deer out on those little pieces and... You know, you're going into early looking for sheds, and yeah, maybe you find one, but the big buck on the property hasn't dropped yet, and you just scared them to the next property over, and they're going to get the sheds, or they'll be eaten by squirrels and chipmunks. That is correct. I hope we get more than one next year, or this year, I, I guess. I got two this year. Oh, yeah, well, that is true. You found the one in archery in season. In archery season. wasn't chewed up at all. I couldn't believe it. That was phenomenal. I know. It was a good shed, too. Your best shed yet. It was. Well, in Pennsylvania. MPA. Mm-hmm. MPA. 
of course. But other than that, I can breathe. So that's a plus. It's a beautiful thing. I'm not going to hack up a lung this week from you getting me sick. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, I'm excited we're way about good. it. And yeah. we have another guest in the studio. People love to come in and talk to us. Yeah, it is not Ted Nugent this week. People, no, I'm sorry. Ted Nugent, um, we had him scheduled for this week, but, uh, you know, last minute plans. Mm-hmm. He's uh, making America great again somewhere. So <laughs> <laughs> instead, well, I guess we settled for a buddy. <laughs> even better. Even better. Even better. My good buddy, Andrew. Um, I don't even know how to pronounce your last name. Is it Wyland? It's Wyland. Wyland. I think I said that. Yeah. Close. Close enough. I was yeah. calling you Wayland. I just don't like Wheeling. That bothers me. Yeah, no, I'm Wyland all the way on that. All right. Yeah, I like it. Uh, my buddy Andrew here, you work at, well, you know what? I won't, I won't get into the introductions. I know you through, for the most part, Anthony, I would say. You know, Anthony our, and some of a couple friends that don't hunt. Yeah. yeah, based on where you work and a lot of the people that I know work there as well. And, uh, but as far as hunting stuff goes, I'd say Anthony and, and you and I are like the connector. He's right in the middle there, but it's been good getting to know you over the last couple of years, another person to talk hunting with and everything else. But we'll start this off with you telling us kind of where you're from, where you grew up and what you do now professionally. All right. Well, I'm from the Newcastle area now, currently. I grew up in uh, Pittsburgh, born and raised. I went to North Allegheny High School, just to kind of give you an idea of the general area, the mm-hmm. North Hills area. Um, and I moved out here probably about, I don't know, eight years ago. I went to Slippery Rock University, and then when I graduated, I found a job at a large insurance company uh, in Newcastle, mm-hmm. and been here Pretty much ever ever since I did move to Indianapolis for about a year, year and a half to, with the same company, and then was able to move back. I've been back ever since, and don't really plan on going anywhere. I love Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's a great place for hunting, especially. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Not Iowa, but it's pretty good. Yeah, it's not Iowa, but if you had to pick somewhere in Pennsylvania to hunt, I mean, we're we got it pretty good up here. Yeah, abundance sure. of game. And I think it, that was made pretty clear this year whenever you uh, put down a really nice buck, huh? I sure did. <laughs> and we'll get into that more. I don't want to ruin it now, but, you know, we're not just having you on because we like you. We're always so having you on because you have a really good buck story, just saying. Mm-hmm. Understandable. <laughs> he hit it with his car. Yeah. He hit it with his car in the first week. <laughs> that shit ain't funny, man. I hit a deer with a car this year, okay? I know. I'm, I'm picking on people. But uh, let's start then with kind of, we got an introduction of who you are, what you're doing now. Let's let's move into hunting a little bit with how long you've been hunting. So I've been hunting uh, five years now. Growing up, I shot guns. My dad had a camp in Clarion that we went to quite often, mostly shooting guns, fishing, hiking, those kinds of things. So I've always mm-hmm. loved the outdoors since I was a kid was incredibly busy in, with sports as a kid, and my dad stopped hunting right about the age I was old enough to hunt, sadly. Still hold that against him. But <laughs> um, when I went to Slippery Rock University, I started to get more into the outdoor stuff, started fishing a lot more, showed some interest to one of my friends that, you know, I've always wanted to whitetail hunt. It's a family tradition. can kind of go into that later. But basically, one of my close friends was nice enough to take me out rifle hunting with him five years ago. On my second hunt, I shot the biggest buck I've ever seen, and the rest is history. I've been totally addicted ever since that point. Yeah, that helps. That's a good way to get addicted. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I I didn't realize how lucky I was until the following years, but Mm -hmm. to um, 
harvest such a nice deer that early on. I'm extremely fortunate and been chasing after one that big ever since. Yeah, boy. Yeah, well, you found them. <laughs> yeah, this year was pretty close. Pretty close. No, that's a great buck. I, I'm guessing it's the one I've seen in some of your pictures on your Facebook. I was creeping on you earlier just to get an idea of what to talk about today a little more because, like I said, I mean, I've really only known you for maybe a year or two now, I would say, probably. Yeah, maybe more than that, but, you know. Yeah, I think we knew few, each other were, but really yeah. kind of talking about hunting and stuff like that right. more so this last year, especially this last archery season. We talked a lot more and stayed in touch. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. So you got into hunting then kind of through a friend rather than family, even though based on the fact that your father hunted for a long time. Your grandfather hunted for a long time, I yeah. understand. So my grandfather was an avid bow hunter, obsessed with whitetail. That's probably where it stems from. It's kind of a combination of family and me personally wanting to achieve that, wanting to kind of like a bucket list kind of thing that I wanted to kill a deer, kind of like as a rite of passage as a man. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad did it, my uncles did it, my grandfather did it. And I'm actually the one of the last ones in the family, the last one to hunt uh uh, so it was important to me i kind of wanted to do it as a bucket list thing and then once i had the experience i i've been after it every year it's it's become quite an obsession but my grandfather was obsessed with hunting taught my uncles my dad all to hunt they all shot recurve bows back in the day Mm. and uh you know eventually moved on to compounds and two of my uncles one lives in texas and he hunts a lot different style of hunting but Mm -hmm. a lot of whitetail and hog hunting in texas and then i have another uncle that lives in pittsburgh and gibsonia and we hunt together and that's kind of a great way for him and i to stay in touch but i have to give credit to my friend Corey, who really took me out taught me the ins and outs of hunting the at least the basics to kind of get me out there so i knew what i was doing more of the hands-on stuff yeah i mean he literally sat with me the first time i went hunting the entire time even when i shot that big buck he was sitting right there with me he's been a big part a lot of my hunting this was the first year i can say i really hunted a lot more by myself a lot more comfortable but and he's been busy busy with work too so that's part of it yeah i got to give him a lot of credit he definitely set me up for success and taught me a lot of the ins and out him as well as the hunting group that i hunt with in marionville they all taught me so much it's funny (laughs) it's kind of funny with you i caught one thing in there early on you said it was like a rite of passage and that might sound weird to people from outside of pennsylvania but i feel like pennsylvania has that such a deep tradition and deep roots in the hunting same way with wisconsin and stuff like well, yeah. that i mean those guys first day of rifle seasons like family tradition year after year after yeah. year and it's always been that way it's probably always going to be that way it's a holiday yeah you know some states they might they might look at you and think or some people might think well that's kind of weird to say something like that but for us to hear it it's perfectly normal and we couldn't agree more i would say yeah no absolutely i couldn't agree more yeah i was lucky enough to share my first buck with my grandfather and for him to get to see that before um, he passed away. So that's just one of those special moments that I'll cherish forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget it. You know, it meant the world to me and 
Um, up at our camp, we all have our bucks hanging. My my grandfather has his eight-point buck that at the time was a real trophy. My dad has a little spike up there. That's his trophy <laughs> buck. Sweet. Um, and then, of course, I have my big 10-point hanging up there. So nice. it's pretty cool to have that kind of family tradition going. And, Very cool. Uh, keep it going, of course. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So you've been rifle hunting now for five years. You got into archery how long ago? Yeah, so the first year I rifle hunted... Um, my friend Corey really, he said, man, if you like this, you got to get out there and get a bow. You'll yeah. love it. It's so much more up close and personal. And um, sure enough, that next year I went out and bought a bow. It was a used PSE. It was probably 10, 15 years old, but it was a bow to learn on. And I was in the backyard with my bag practicing as much as I possibly could. And just, I really, growing up, I liked shooting uh, rifles and handguns, target shooting. So mm-hmm. this was like, similar but more challenging which is what i needed at this point was something more challenging than you know guns so i got out and hunted i can tell you the first couple years i felt really defeated and felt like maybe this isn't for me yeah i didn't kill a deer in archery the first couple years it wasn't until last year 2017 i got a doe on the last day of archery prior to that i put in so many hours Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just unbelievable I did miss a couple along the way, learned so, so much, you know, in those years. And then this past year, things just finally came together. A lot of luck and a a lot of learning that paid off. Oh, dude, that learning from your failures is just absolutely huge, especially in archery season. You can kind of learn from your failures in rifle season, but it's not the same. Like it, everybody always says that archery is a game of inches. One year you might see deer moving through this way and you're in say a ladder stand or something like that. The next year... You learn and you adapt and you move your stand and you get actually in the zone and you're in the game. You're in the game at that point. Yeah, we call it. Yeah, I mean, it comes with experience, man. A new bow hunter, especially someone that doesn't have as much guidance, hands on, one on one all the time. That's really tough. That is tough. I know when I started bow hunting, I I basically didn't do anything. I just my dad set up a stand for me said, here, you're going to hunt this stand. He walked me to stand. I climbed up in it, waiting for a deer to walk by, you know. And then as I grew older, I started to pick up on things, you know, the areas we were hunting, where we were seeing deer, why we were seeing deer, and just started asking questions. And I mean, you couldn't ask enough questions, you know, but it's nice to have someone like that that has the knowledge that's messed up for all those years, right? you know, at the beginning to kind of help your learning curve. And, you know, a good mentor, a good guide like that really goes a long ways. I think, especially in archery, you know, rifle season, you can sit on any log and, you know, maybe a deer run by that someone kicks up and you get lucky. And sometimes it's not that easy, you know, depending on the property. Yeah. And it's not that way with with archery season. I I mean, yeah, archery makes it even tougher. It's way, way tougher. I mean, I know I started out archery hunting. I was the only person who archery hunted in my family. So I kind of had to learn on my own too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I kind of wish podcasts were out when I was learning because. Oh yeah. Even now me bow hunting for. I don't know, 15 years now or whatever it is. I mean, just, I learn all the time listening from podcasts and I don't know. I think it's a great resource, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you can never learn enough. I pick up something new from podcasts, you know, regularly. Mm-hmm. I'm always jotting little ideas down and different things from people that I might take what they say and, and kind of put it towards my situation. So it's more relevant. Yep. But at the same time, I mean, that's really helpful. Oh. I, it's nice because like he said, he has 15 years. I have 14 years of experience in, in the archery world where I can relate a lot of things that people are saying to 
a lot of different situations in the past where I either screwed up or things that I've seen because it's the experience of being out there and learning. So it helps a lot more to pick up from different podcasts in an advanced level whenever you have those experiences. But at the same time, any beginner can pick up a lot of things too. Yeah, I know. I learned a lot from listening to podcasts, YouTube videos, and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I learned a ton. And then you go out there, you try some different things out, and you find out you know, what works for you and what maybe using certain calls during certain times of the season yeah. doesn't <laughs> yep. make sense, and you kind of learn the hard way. Those ones are tough. You know, the calling thing, I, I think that's going to be a per-deer basis, and there's really no way to totally master e- each call. It's just more or less when to call would be a better yeah, Thinking I would agree with that 100%. Today. Like, don't go out first day and start rattling your head off right. trying, to, <laughs> trying to get them to come in buck fighting. Like, Yeah, my first couple of seasons, I might have done some things like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I did, too. <laughs> I didn't know any different. And I was watching monster bucks yeah. and stuff like that. And you see them, they're just crashing yeah, on the antlers and stuff. And yep. I was like, well, this is going to work. <laughs> but, yeah. Now, I do think the podcasts are better in the sense, especially this one, where it is a lot more realistic. Sometimes you watch those hunting shows, and it's, they're they're hunting tall fence or high fence. And yeah, it's not as realistic as some of the some of the podcasts out there that I like. Yeah, I think you you more or less want to focus on the videos like the YouTube videos and stuff that we talked about. Maybe even Carbon TV things where people aren't going to a groom property in the Midwest that we can't relate to. It's good entertainment. And I love to watch it. Yeah. Oh, I do too. But you don't get really much informative uh, out of it. I think with like the hunting public and people along their line, like the whitetail experience, those kind of guys, they're doing a lot of stuff on public land. And even though they're in different states, you can still kind of relate some of their tactics to what you're doing. You just have to mold it a little bit right. mm-hmm. for our state. You know, a lot of things like they do specifically that, you know, I know Austin and I don't agree with, they don't believe in scent control. And in Pennsylvania, I feel like you almost have to have a scent control regimen. Well, we're so highly pressured. I mean, Every little thing is going to help. Not only that, but the terrain and everything is totally different than what they see. You know, winds aren't consistent around here. We all know there's tons with thermals and just everything. It's just, it's just different. I'm not saying it's harder or easier where we're at or where they're at. It's just, you have to take what they do, put your twist to it and make it something better. Yeah. 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 Everything's situational, honestly, but I agree. Well, I don't know about you. We've been talking for, I don't know, 15 minutes or whatever, but I'm excited to hear a story. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that was a hard transition. I know it was, yeah. but, you know, <laughs> I remember seeing that buck pop up and I was like, that is a stud and I want to hear about it. Well, you know what? Instead of that, since we're kind of into the beginning and you mentioned your first deer, right? It was a big buck. Yeah. I kind of want to hear that story first because mm. I think that takes us back and then we'll transition more into it later and then get his big buck story from 2018. I like that too. I, I want like the nitty that. gritty. Yeah. Well, I love to tell both the stories. So good. I'll, we'll start with the, my first buck in 2013 in uh, Marionville. Went up clueless. Basically, all I was told is bring a rifle and dress really warm. <laughs> um, I did that. Um, I told you about my mentor, uh, one of my best friends, Corey, who was nice enough to let me sit with him the entire time. And, you know, while we're sitting there, he's pointing things out, teaching me little things that will help me in the future. And the first day we went out, didn't see any deer. A little disappointing, you know, your first time going out, you just want to see something. Didn't see much. We went out. It was the first Saturday. It was the next time we went out. And 
there was a group of other guys pushing deer for us and it was really awesome i mean we had three or four other guys that are just really trying to help Corey and i get deer Mm -hmm. i mean just an awesome group because they got theirs in archery and just wanted to be out in the woods you know so we we moved around and stuff and Corey finally connected with one he shot at his biggest buck which was just awesome i mean this i was ecstatic just being a part of that yeah so he his dad basically pushed a deer a a nice big eight point to Corey and Corey, um i heard quite a few shots and eventually the deer did drop so of course i was excited and i got (laughs) up and saw it and that's kind of when reality hit and then he started gutting this deer that had been shot all over the place. And I was like, oh, maybe this isn't as cool as I thought. But no, it was really cool. And, you know, even in that process of, of field dressing the deer, Corey was told me, you know, watch because the next time you're doing it mm-hmm. yourself. So oddly enough, after that, he field dressed it. We had a long drag out. We call this place the big mountain and it's the biggest mountain. Just getting in there, you're exhausted. I mean, it's so dragging a deer out we only shoot box because nothing else is worth it so of course i wanted to make a point it's my first time so i'm i'm ready to drag this thing out by myself you know the whole way so of course i take the buck and i'm dragging it out and we dragged it pretty far i don't know a few hundred couple hundred 300 yards maybe we finally took a break to eat lunch we're sitting at what we call the lunch rock just another blind that you know we either hunt or a meeting place for everybody. Yep. So we're eating lunch, and all of a sudden we see this monster buck at about 75 yards away. I was jaw-dropped. Corey was like, get your gun up. What are you doing, you <laughs> yeah. know? And I, I'm oh, yeah, okay. I get my gun off, get it sighted in, and, and it all happened so quick. In fact, I shot, and the next thing I know, Corey's asking me if I'm okay because my face is bleeding from the scope oh, smashing no. me in the face. <laughs> nice. I was so excited. I didn't care about the blood or anything. All I wanted to know is, did I hit it? Did I hit it? Mm-hmm. And we, we heard a crash, and he's like, he's like, dude, I think you just shot the biggest buck I've ever seen. <laughs> and I, I was new to hunting. I, I probably didn't appreciate it as much until I actually walked up on this deer. And just the size of it was huge, especially when you're up close and personal like that. Oh, yeah. And it was dying out. And I put another bolt in it to kind of end it from its misery. And I'll never forget just how that deer reacted and and watching it it die, you know, and kind of having appreciation for that animal that I just killed. I mean, the first time I really killed a big game animal, you know, it's an intense feeling you get there and, and emotional. And I'm somewhat religious and i certainly you know thank god for that too so just the the buck's chest went up the eyes went in the back of its head and it crashed to the ground that was the end of it yeah so after i completely exhausted myself dragging his deer half the way (laughs) i now had had this monstrous close to probably 200 pound buck that i had to then drag out um and I can tell you, I was sore for about three weeks, but I had a smile on my face the entire time I dragged that bad boy out. Oh, nice. yeah, man. It, nice. was, it was awesome. That's intense. Yeah. <laughs> so did you end up get the deer mounted then? Yes, I did get nice. that one mounted. That's a pretty cool story, too. Um, Corey and I brought our bucks back. We both had our, our my first buck, of course, and his best buck. And we drove back in a dump truck that we had already filled up with a bunch of wood that he was going to burn at his house. So we had our bucks hanging out the back of the truck. Hmm. People were honking at us when we're driving, we're driving home. You know, you just feel like a million bucks. Yeah. But to make it even sweeter, 
when I got home, my grandparents were at my house. I told you about how my grandfather is uh, obsessed with hunting and I was able to show my dad and my grandfather, and I probably, I don't know if I've ever seen my dad that proud of me. Pretty awesome experience. My dad, you know, offered to get it mounted for me. He was so excited, and of course, it has to stay up at camp, you know, <laughs> yeah, as part yeah. of the deal. Uh, okay. But, uh, <laughs> okay. but yeah, so that was a pretty awesome experience. Just sharing that with my grandfather and my dad just meant the world to me. It's That's awesome, awesome, man. man. I, yeah. I remember the first time too like my first buck it was just a little forky too i mean it wasn't anything crazy but i was so proud of that thing and like my whole family they were all proud because they all hunt and everything it was during rifle season and we were up at the camp and right it was just so cool hanging up on the meat pole and like i won the buck pole with that that year too you know what i I actually had a chance to enter into um who has the biggest buck at this gun store my buddy did it and I for, was too cheap to spend the five dollars, oh. and I, I probably would have won it. This yeah. buck was that big, but yeah. oh well. Oh, lesson well. learned. <laughs> yeah, lesson learned. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny because all these years that I archery hunted, I was in the buck pool every year, out shooter showcase. Okay, every year I entered it, and then the one year I can't remember if it was the same year that they kind of started to transition out, and they were going through new ownership, but for whatever reason they didn't do the buck pool. And that was the first year I shot a buck. (laughs) (laughs) And I've gotten one each year since. Now, I didn't realize that they are doing the buck pull again. I didn't get entered in this year or last year. Last time I was out there, they had it going. and I was pretty bummed. I would have liked to have been in. Yeah, I don't do that anymore, really. I've donated my money for, you know, 10, 11 years. I'd like to give a little back. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame you. I mean, it's fun. It is fun. And going down and seeing everybody's buck and stuff mm-hmm. from that year and wondering if you won or if somebody else won is fun. That's what's cool. You know, it, it's not about, oh, whose buck's bigger, you know, not a macho thing. It's just, it's nice to, like you said, go in there, keep up to date. It's an, it's a good way to go into the shop, chat with other people and that kind of thing. But Yeah, big time, big time. And that was archery only, but man, you should have entered that gun one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Done screwed up. Uh-huh. Well, I was like, I'm not going to shoot anything. I don't even know what I'm doing, That's, you know? I, yeah. I don't blame you. I, I can <laughs> probably agree with your decision-making up until the point you shot your buck. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Beginner's luck. You never heard of it? Yeah, I learned that. Oh, man. So <laughs> what is then your favorite hunting tradition? We've kind of mentioned that throughout this whole thing, like hunting tradition. What? What would you say is your favorite hunting tradition? Is it like first day of rifle, first day of archery? What do you think? You know, I, I love archery more than I, I like rifle hunting, but the first day of rifle has become such a tradition. It was kind of my entry into hunting with a great group of guys mm-hmm. that I absolutely look forward to it. And no matter what, I'm going to be there every year on opening day, whether I got my buck or not. Yep. I'm going up to spend time with a great group of guys. And, you know, my goal is to be able to push a couple deer to Corey. Yep. He's helped me yeah. out so much. It'd be awesome to, you know, push a big one his way. Damn, you're a pretty good friend, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is, though. If you knew this guy, he's a good friend, and he's helped me quite a bit and personally and, you know, in hunting. Yeah, so. no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I can agree to that. I mean, I, I know I like archery hunting way more than rifle, especially now, but my favorite tradition is first day rifle. My memories go f- so far back. The people that are usually involved and, you know, the people that we don't hunt with anymore, you know, it's just, it's something that you'll never replace. I'm with you, know? you. I'm with you. Even today, I couldn't miss it. Yep. I would hate to miss it. I'd take a vacation day every year, call in sick to 
not miss first day rifle. Absolutely. Hopefully, I never have to. Yeah, I'm with you on that too, man. I mean, you know, I couldn't this year because I got kind of screwed with the new job and stuff. But other than that, I'm usually out first day, even if I don't have a buck tag. Mm-hmm. I just oh. enjoy it. Yeah, like you said, going out with a good group of guys, and yep. if I don't have a buck tag, I typically just push, and it's fun. Well, I agree with you, and I agree with you, but. Let's transition into archery season. Let's go. Because you had a good archery season this year. Yeah. 2018, man. Why don't you recap the season in full, and then we'll get into the actual stories of it. Sure. If you don't mind. Yeah. So I hunt 2B, and 2B, as you know, opens up earlier in September. I was lucky enough to shoot a doe opening day. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Kind of a cool story. I'll keep it quick. But I shot probably the smallest deer I've ever shot, seen. Uh, wasn't as proud of the size of the deer, but I certainly was happy, <laughs> especially I told you, you know, I've had some rough archery seasons and yep. my mm-hmm. mindset was if it's legal, it's getting shot. Yeah. So sure enough, I, I did. And it went 20 yards down the hill. I dragged it out with one arm uh, and that was about it. But what's funny about this story is my friend Pete was with me uh, and you'll hear his name in the um, buck story for the year, this year too. But he hunted with me and he was a little bit bummed because he came to help me get this thing out. And then he realized like, I definitely didn't need any help. You could have stayed in your stand. <laughs> so I said, you know what, Pete, why don't you hunt my stand? You know, I was seeing some deer and, and maybe you'll have some better luck. He went into that stand within an hour from the time that I shot mine. He shot another deer uh, out of it. So he got his doe on opening day. We both did. That was pretty cool. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, a couple weeks later, um, I shot another one, same stand. Uh, this one was a lot bigger, what people call a trophy doe, real big body doe, lots of meat on it. Big nanny. Yeah, mm-hmm. big mature one. And then I think it was October 18th. I'm just guessing, but that's generally around that time I shot another doe. And I really was hesitant to even do it, having two in the freezer and being after a buck. But I'm glad I did. I ended up giving a lot of deer meat away this year. But all these deer, I was super lucky. All of them ran less than 50 yards, all of them. And all of them were really easy drags, drag out. It, it was nice. The buck, not the same at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so the buck was October 23rd. And this is funny because Pete, as I mentioned earlier, Pete and I scouted this area over the summertime. And we both found this one area, a lot of trails intersecting. We really liked it. So Pete set up a trail camera. We were getting some good pictures of deer on this trail camera. So the trail camera had been soaking for quite a bit of time, and he had some good shooter bucks on there that we both uh, were excited about. So we didn't have a stand in there. We were going to use our climbers to hunt that spot, and we agreed, you know, let's get a stand in there. It's such a good spot. We know there's buck there. So we put a stand in on, what was it, a Sunday, which was, I believe, 10, October 21st, and then I put my stand in there. So then Pete and I decided, okay, we're going to hunt it on October 23rd. But how are we going to decide who gets to hunt the stand with all the pictures? So this literally came down to a coin toss, and I won. (laughs) I won the coin toss. I got to hunt this. And really, this is a spot that Pete's hunted over the years, and uh, he's a great friend, nice enough to let me hunt this area with him, let alone this particular spot. Did you call heads or tails? I called heads. Oh, okay. Tails never fails, but apparently not that time. Except for on a Sunday. Except for on a Sunday. Must have flipped on a Sunday. (laughs) So we got lucky. I got lucky, I'll say. And he was a good sport about it, but. We went 
and we went in about two o'clock for an evening hunt, which is pretty early for an evening hunt, especially at that time of the year. But and all the pictures we had were later in the evening too of these bucks. So we got in at two o'clock mostly because Pete was anxious to get in there. I mean, I was just going with the flow. So I get to my stand and. Uh, first off, the stand was leaned forward, so I was like, oh, this is going to be a long day. You know, you ever have a stand lean forward on oh, it yeah. and how uncomfortable that is? Well, <laughs> lesson learned again. So you never stop learning. You never stop learning. <laughs> so I was in the stand only for about an hour and a half, maybe two hours, and out of nowhere, this monster box comes walking straight towards me from about 40 yards out. And I really d- didn't see it before then. Just the way the, the woods are, it's pretty thick. And then there's an, there's an opening where all those trails intersect. And he's coming right towards me. So obviously I'm super excited. I grab my bow. My bow gets caught on, the, on my bow sling. I told you I have a bow sling. So I'm kind of fighting with that, and I'm getting worried because the deer is perfect. It came in in front of me. I have the right wind and everything, but the direction it's going, it's going to be downwind of me. Mm-hmm. So I know I need to get a shot off quick before he sends me. So I get my bow in my hand, and he's probably only 10, 15 yards away and quartering to me, as you know, isn't the best shot to take, but still a new hunter. I'm still learning. Yep. Um, and again, I was concerned he would s- set me out. And so I shot, drew back, shot. The entry shot looked really good. I was really happy with it initially. Then he went about 10 yards. I could see him pretty good. He was just standing there. And I, I maybe I should have put another, tried to shoot another one, but I didn't. I'm just standing there in awe watching him. And I see my lighted knock is still in him. So I'm a little bit upset about that. You know, the arrow didn't go all the way through. That's usually not a good thing. So I, I called Pete. I'm shaking like a leaf, so excited. He, he knew. He knew what happened. And I, I think he even knew the buck that I shot. It's just crazy. But he said, you know, give it a couple hours. Let's give it at least an hour and a half. Um, I'll come down to you, and we'll go look for it. Longest hour and a half of my life oh, sitting yeah. there, you know. Oh, I just wanted to get out and start looking. So I waited. Pete came down. We find some pretty good blood, but we do see... Uh, some stomach signs of it going through the stomach. So we start walking and we walked maybe about a hundred, 150 yards. And then we saw the, the big buck, but he wasn't done yet. He wasn't ready to die. He, we kicked him up. He ran to this top of the hill about 75 yards away from us. So we just stopped, came up with a plan, went back to the truck, called up one of our other buddies, Mike Bertagna, who came out and, great friend came out and helped he, he he's he's the best guy that i know to help you navigate in the woods and not only does he help you navigate in the woods but he just comes with like such a positive energy you know mm-hmm. i was pretty worried and upset this buck just ran off after another probably hour to two hours went by we went back in the woods to start looking at this point it's dark we have our headlamps on and everything and we're searching through the woods and we we found where we had last saw him and the blood just completely disappeared we had good blood up until this for about 100 yards and it just you could see where he bedded down and we kicked him up pile of blood the blood just disappeared you can imagine my heart just sank i was just really felt defeated at that point but of course we're not going to give up so we search and i go up to where i last saw the buck at the top of the hill where he was looking back at us I find just a little bit of blood. 
walk a little bit further. Like I said, it's dark. I see these two big eyeballs staring right at me about, oh, I don't know, 60, 70 yards away from me. And he's in a ton of brush and he's bedded down looking straight at me. So I get my guys up there, Pete and Mike, and we're kind of in a standoff, you know, what are, what are we going to do here? Mm-hmm. It's late. I have no help the next day. So there were some things that kind of influenced the decision-making um, for the night. Well, we got pretty close to it, and as I was getting ready to try to put another arrow in it, he jumped up, took off. This must have happened three or four times where we got close to it, and after that, there was good blood. I mean, he was bleeding out pretty good, but he just wasn't ready to die. Yeah. So hours have gone by at this point because we keep finding the buck, giving it some time, talking, what are we going to do, walking up to it. It's like the buck knew. Like Once we got too close, he was up and gone. Oh, yeah. yeah he had a comfort zone. Yeah. And, Once I mean, we were getting it. pretty cl- relatively close. I mean, so, like I said, that happened like three or four times. And then, finally, th- we came up on, on, a, on a pretty h- steep hillside. And this time was a little bit different because we heard some aggressive crashing. So we felt like, you know, maybe the deer is really done this time. Sure enough, and, and one thing that was cool, each time we walked up on this deer, it was hidden so well. If you were in broad daylight, you'd probably walk right by it. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. so impressed by that. Um, but anyways, we, we finally walk up on it, and this time you can see he's got no energy left, just can't get up. I was able to stick another arrow in him. He died pretty quick after that. Then it was the drag out. It's great to have three guys on that drag because yeah. it was a big body buck. He ended up being a nine point. I don't, we didn't have him weighed, but he, he was up there. I, over 150, 165 pounds, I would say. Mm-hmm. And one I will not forget, especially having the, the help that I did, two of my close friends coming out to help me. We didn't get home till after midnight. I mean, it was a, it was a, I think it was 1 a.m. when I, Midnight, 1 a.m. when I actually got home. Yeah. Um, I felt like a million bucks. I took the next day off of work just because. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so that, that was that was my archery buck story of uh, 2018. Pretty um, solid, man. Pretty solid. I'm pretty impressed by a few things there. Number one, I'm very impressed by your assumption of a deer's weight in Pennsylvania. Yeah. For a new hunter relatively new hunter i'll tell you what you're, you're like spot on with with what you're saying i mean most guys be like yeah it was a pretty good buck it's like 300 pounds you know <laughs> yeah. first couple of years i probably was saying dumb stuff yeah, like that. yeah. <laughs> but man i like the more you talk i'm like man that's impressive because i know i know guys that have been hunting for 20 years and still don't know how much a deer weighs in pennsylvania oh yeah anyways other than that that 200 story, pound you know, mark is it is it, hard, it's to, hard to get in Pennsylvania. I've only seen a couple of them, honestly, that, that 200 mark, and that's mm-hmm. a really big deer. My biggest body buck from two years ago weighed like 186 on the scale, field dressed. Yeah. And that was one of the biggest. My dad has shot one. I think he broke 200, and that thing was the biggest body deer I think I've in ever Pennsylvania? seen. In, in Pennsylvania? In Pennsylvania, wow. dead. I mean, this thing was a monster. I tried to drag it by the antlers. It didn't move. No. I mean, it didn't move. I was like, I have never touched a deer where I couldn't physically move it with my hands. Like, there was no way. We had to drag it out with a four-wheeler. Oh, yeah. It was insanely big. It, his was an old, old buck with a big, gnarly rack, and it was a big, heavy deer. But I think I've said it once, but that big half rack that I shot, that deer, after I caped it out, 
and everything. We took it to the butcher because I didn't have time to take care of it at that point. It was pretty warm outside. They threw it on the scale, and without the head and half of the cape, that was at 202. That's insane. That was the biggest deer I'd ever seen in Pennsylvania, like body-wise at least. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, man. But anyway, sorry, that was a little off track. That was a little but... off track, but we are, well, I'm impressed too by <laughs> you like imp- knowing. Like, Honestly. Probably 165, 170-pound, and that's a really big deer too. That's, that's, that's a big deer. Most people would see a 660, 170-pound deer think they're going to be way over 200 pounds. They don't get it. Yep. But, man, that was, that was good. But other than that, just, yeah, I mean, the – the resilience, the the decision-making throughout the track. You guys could have waited and came back the next morning, like you said, without help, and the deer would have been dead in its first bed. But people don't understand that the right situation all the time isn't always the right situation for what you have at hand. Oh, definitely. You know yeah, what I mean? Circumstantial. Like, circumstantial. Yeah. For example, the buck that we went after for Austin this year, you know, we, we knew we went in early, but it was starting to rain. I mean, there was different circumstances that made us do things out of the norm yeah mm-hmm. like you guys found gut material on the arrow typically that means you know at least give them four to six hours the minimum before you even start the track and then what i like to do i just if you can back out and come back the next morning because you know the deer's gonna be dead somewhere and the problem is with blood you know a lot of times you will lose blood they'll sit in their first bed they'll clot up that hole the the gut material fill up the hole and you won't get blood you know so that's why you leave them because otherwise it's really tough but in an area you're familiar with or in a situation like that where you knew you jumped that deer within, like you said, 150 yards, that deer's messed up. Oh, yeah. He's bad. He's in bad shape. Mm-hmm. And then when he ran, he only ran 75 yards and bedded again. That deer's messed up. You right. Know? And in that situation, I have no problem with continuing tracking him because you got the blood back. And once you had blood and you knew the deer was messed up, obviously it worked out. You just... You were trying to do the right thing by the animal by not letting it suffer, right. you know, and so yeah. on. No, I so couldn't agree more with that. That was another impressive point that I picked out of that as well. But great story, man. Yeah. And a great buck. <laughs> yeah. A really good buck. It's probably the picture we'll post, I would think, yeah, of the episode. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So that's something people are going to probably look forward to seeing that that deer because that's a good one. Yeah, yeah dude. He's Congrats, a good man. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Congratulations. First bow buck. Yeah. Unreal. It was a big unreal. One. Unreal first bow buck, man. And hard work pays off, man. Yep. Yeah. You know, you're not having a couple good seasons and almost wanting to give up because you weren't having good seasons. And right. To really lay the smack down this year, kill three does and then a really good buck, that's bravo. Yeah. Thank you. The persistence and resilience there, that was nice, man. Yeah, absolutely. I applaud you, sir. <laughs> I yeah. bow. I bow. <laughs> so, man. I don't even know where to go from there. That was that was good. That, that was that solid. Got me. Like I was sitting back, just story time, you know, just hanging out, listening. I love that. It's beautiful, absolutely <laughs> beautiful. But let's move on to, I guess, throughout this whole thing, a big part of your life has been, you know, as far as influencing you in the hunting world has been your family, regardless of whether you've been hunting with your your father or your grandfather, but knowing their passage and knowing their their past. But also having a good core group of friends, which I think is super important, oh, yeah. um, especially when you get into like archery hunting and stuff like that. You want to have that guy that you can go to all the time and, and depend on and bank on, you know, that hunting buddy's really important in your life. But what, how would you say like your family has influenced you more or less into the type of hunter you are now? Or would you say it's more of how your friends have influenced you? My family's definitely influenced me in the sense, especially in archery. Uh, my uncle, I told you he uh, hunts in Texas, and he's he's 
an expert on whitetail. He really is. And he's somebody I can bounce questions off of and stuff like that. But there's a lot of pride that goes into archery hunting opposed to rifle hunting. In fact, my uncle's leased huge properties in, in Texas and you can only use a compound bow if you're going to hunt with him. No crossbows, maybe an exception if somebody has an injury or something. Mm-hmm. But And then my uncle that lives in Pittsburgh, same thing. He's a bow hunter, extremely ethical hunter I and mean, everything that they do. Um, and same with my group of friends, like the guys that I hunt with in Marionville, they're extremely ethical. Anytime I did something that was just unknowingly a mistake, they addressed it with me right away and made sure I learned from it. Like, like leaning my gun on the truck. I'll never forget that. I thought I was done. I thought I was never going to be invited back. <laughs> I leaned the gun, loaded gun on the truck and learned that you cannot do that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, a lot of, a lot of good influences, fortunate to have a group of friends and family that are extremely ethical hunters. Cause that's, you know, important to me. You know, I, I do genuinely care about the animal and, and want it to be a quick, painless death and and a lot of the decisions you make can determine that and some things are out of your control too but Mm -hmm. yeah well that's a super solid foundation man having a core group of people like that like i know all of our friends like we'll bounce things off of each other all the time even just if you hesitate or like double think yourself once or twice it's it's good to get like affirmation that like you're doing the right thing and if you do something wrong someone corrects you and solid foundation man yeah, I think, you know, my group of friends too, and, and family, like they motivate you. Like my friend Pete, he's so into hunting that he's checking in with me. You getting out this morning, it almost makes you feel obligated. Like, oh, yeah. man, I feel lazy if I don't get out yep. this morning, you yep. know. So it, those kind of relationships too. And just to have some friends when things aren't going well, especially. I told you I had some rough seasons and to have kind of people that can relate and say, man, I've been there too. Things will get yep. better. And just kind of that positivity uh, makes a big difference too. Yeah, staying motivated is huge, and and people that keep you motivated. I know this guy. Like, there might be a day where it's raining just a little bit, and I'm like, man, I'm just, I don't know. And he's like, dude, you better go out. <laughs> yeah, I try to force you out. Yeah, well, I'm like, you gotta go hunt, man. We gotta go hunt. And I've looked at the forecast. We got this wind. The the barometrics up. Like, we gotta go. <laughs> we gotta go. And I get pumped up over it, and really enthused. You have. I mean, if you really think about it, you have six weeks of the main archery season where we really, really focus on and we really look forward to every year. It's six weeks out of the year. That's all you have. And when it's gone, you're going to regret if you didn't hunt harder. Yeah, come like March, you're going to be like, man, I should have went out that extra yeah, day. Right. Yeah. You know, and you're beating yourself up about it. And Yeah, you have archery season. Yes, you have late season archery. But that's the time when late season hits and you're just like unmotivated. The weather's usually really bad. You know, it's tough to get out. It is. And if you do get out, you kind of want to, you know, hunt with a muzzle loader or late season bow. And that's cool. But, and it's a lot of fun. I did it quite a bit this year more than ever before just because I never muzzle loader hunted. But getting into that was a lot of fun. But man, it's even with that, you're talking a few months out of the year that you get to actually do something you enjoy most in your life. And, the rest of the year, you look forward to that time of the year. Yeah, right? definitely. You're so, prepping for it. or You know, yeah. you have to remind yourself, and I get it, you got to remind yourself that whenever you're during the season, you're grinding, you're on your fifth hunt in a row, and you've been out there every morning, every evening. You're just like, oh, if I just sleep in today, you know, it's not going to be the greatest condition. And that's the day you kill the biggest buck of your life. Yeah, definitely. You know, I've 
it's happened so many times. And I don't know about times. you, but any time that I do sleep in and make the decision not to go out, I feel terrible about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah. totally regret it every time. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm very upset with myself if I accidentally sleep in. Thankfully, a few times I think you guys have woken me up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I woke you up this year. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. And I'm like, shoot, did I sleep through my alarm again? Actually, the morning I shot my buck, I showed up at your house and all the lights were off. Oh, yeah. And I called you. I'm like, hey, buddy, I'm in your driveway. You're like, oh, <laughs> I slept through my alarm. Yep. <laughs> but and I, I shot a good buck, so it yeah, worked out. We got out there in, in plenty of time. Thankfully, we had planned even better in advance than what we thought for time-wise. And yep. we were going to be way ahead of schedule. And we just ended up getting there right on time. Yeah, just about. Walked past several deer. Yeah, that was a good morning, man. And you know what? Back to the motivation factor. Yep. It was raining. He was looking for his deer. And I was like, oh, I'll just come down and like help you look for your deer. Like, I'm not seeing anything in the stand. He's like, just stay in that stand. Mm -hmm. And if I wouldn't have, the deer would just cruised right on by. We would have never even known. Never even known. known. Because where I shot my deer was up farther down the property. But like the property hunters, a small strip of timber along Crick Bottom where, where Austin was set up. And then up from that to a piece of timber that I was hunting inside of. And when I shot my deer, the deer ran away from where he was hunting. So we would have been up on top of the hill where you can't see down into the bottom. And I, I told him, I was like, let me just do this on my own. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know where you're at. The deer come through there late. If something's going to come through, you're going to see it, you know, now. And the weather just broke. Yeah, the weather had just broke, yeah. So it was like perfect timing right on the transition of the weather. I was like, just chill. I'm going to go do this. I can do this on my own. Okay. It's just a little doe fawn. We're good. And literally I found my deer within like five minutes. It went 40 yards, 50 yards, just inside the wood line. And I'm like, yeah, I told him, man, I found my deer. I'm all pumped up, excited. And I get a call from him and he's all shook up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> I just shot a buck. What? Yeah. I was, dude, I was like, what? Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm standing over top of a deer. He just arrowed a buck, a great big buck. And I'm like, man, this is amazing. But yeah. that that's the stuff right there. Like, how wrong would it have been if I've just been like, he would have showed up to my house, found out I was sleep, I slept in on accident. And instead of, you know, waking up like, don't worry about it, it's raining, just go back to sleep, you know, I'll hit up a different spot Yeah, on my own. It could have changed everything. Wow. It could have yeah, changed definitely. the whole season. Yeah, for sure. Because that was really the last weekend of archery that I had to hunt. Mm-hmm. Like, actually hunt, hunt, and that was, uh, turned out good for me. <laughs> Heck yeah, dude. The ending yeah, was cool. good. Yeah. But, man, we kind of stole the show there for a minute. We too. did, I'm I sorry. I like it. That was good stuff. Yeah, man. But <sighs> one thing I'm curious about... What style of hunter are you? Like, what kind of stand do you like? You a climber stand guy, a ladder stand, hang on, ground blind? Yeah, I've experimented quite a bit over the last few years with trying different things. Uh, last year, I spent a lot of time in a ground blind, and it I didn't really enjoy that too much. I'm not a fan of ground blinds either. Yeah, it just I want to see as much as I can possibly see. Yeah, you just have blind. your windows, and that's like it. Yeah, and it, it's, it's a lot harder, too. I had deer come across me, and I just didn't have my bow in my hand, and they you know, miss those opportunities. I did get a climber this year. I got it out a couple times, but my personal preference is a tree stand. A tree stand's probably my favorite. Climb up, harness in, and good to go. Yeah. So like a ladder stand then? Ladder stand, okay. yeah. Yeah. I have a couple hang-ons with um, climbing sticks, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, that we use. And, and they're, they're comfortable. They work good. 
but you know, obviously the ladder stands extremely easy to get in and out of. Oh but, yeah. Comfortable. Yeah. Quick. You know, it's really, I've, I still hunt on a ladder stands. I've been hunting on a ladder stands my whole life. Yeah. There's certain spots I think it's great for. You get in clean, you get in quiet. I mean, they're comfortable, like right. you said, especially if you get a really nice one. I mean, they're like a lounger up there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Same yeah. with the hang-ons. Some of those hang-ons are super mm-hmm. comfortable. Dude, I millenniums. Have a... Millenniums are huge. Oh, yeah. Dude. Yeah. There's some of them, they weigh a million pounds, and they're a pain in the butt to get in the tree, but they are comfy. Yeah, once it's in, you keep it there. Those yep. are, yeah, those are the type you put up, and you just leave them for years. Yeah. Check the straps or the, the, you know, put a chain on it, but just leave it. Yep. Yeah. Man, but, I mean, I really, really appreciate the lock-on or the ladder in the morning. And it is oh, so for sure. much nicer when you're in the dark to just climb up a ladder, sit down, and just, I mean, you're ready. Yeah. For the most part, you're ready to go, you know, where I had to do a lot of hanging hunts in the morning this year. Oh, it wears on you. I kind of like it, though, too. Like, it, do. it forces me to, like, mm-hmm. wake up and be aware mm-hmm. because, you know, you're climbing up and you're hanging your stand. You're trying to be quiet. Yeah. If I haven't had my coffee, that's what will get me up and going. <laughs> it, it, but it grinds you worse, too. It does. It I does. found out that in Ohio. I was in Ohio, and I hunted over there. Oh, I don't even know. We probably hunted seven or eight days, I would think. So say 15 hunts, solid. Maybe yep. 13, 15 hunts. Every single hunt, I was mobile, hang and hunt. Hang and hunt. By the end, man, I couldn't feel my arms. Yeah. My legs were tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in shape. That's rough. <laughs> yeah, I'm not either, but, but it's okay. But, I mean, that's the most shape I'll be in is after hunting season every year. Yeah, not From eating all, in the stand all day and working eating, out. Hiking. Walking long. Yep, yep. You're hanging stands constantly. You're shooting your bow all summer, so your shoulders are all jacked up. Yeah. Yeah, I feel good after hunting. I just flex my back on people. I feel you. <laughs> right there. Ugh. Those draw muscles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I have a question for you that we haven't asked a guest in a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. What kind of guy are you? You, what kind of buck guy are you? Really, I should say. You like, you like a wide buck. You like a tall buck. You like a non-typical buck. What are you, what are you feeling? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I like any bucks, really. But <laughs> that a boy, uh, that's where I'm at. <laughs> no, but personally, like the bucks, I I guess I appreciate the most are the ones with the most character. Like yep. this archery mm-hmm. buck I just shot. It just had some some odd uh, points to it that that I personally like. Of course, everybody likes that wide, perfect buck, but my personal preference is as much character as possible. Yeah, just goofy Double bucks. brow tines. And, yeah, and, your split brow on yours, I noticed that today yeah. when I was looking back. Man, that's that's cool. Yeah, those are the kinds of things that stand out to me. I really like to see. It just makes yeah. that deer unique, you know. I'm a sucker for those split brows and stuff, man. Yeah. That's just, whoa, I love Plus it. Like or the, acorn uh, on there or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like like the little gnarly stuff, like you said, that gives it character. And then a lot of your two, like the points that bend a little funny or right. something. It's just something that's different. That that perfect typical deer is beautiful, but in my mind, I'm with you. I would rather have like a little bit of character or a little bit something funky to it that still makes it just stand out. But yeah, the one buck I did a European mount on it, and it um, had a hole in its nose, a big gap in its nose, not the normal hole that you see yeah. um, from fighting. And I did a European mount with that. Sweet. And it's like, how cool is that? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it took a brow tine up the nostril. Yeah. Broke its nose. That's crazy. (laughs) That is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I think the way we should rephrase that question is, 
Maybe when you close your eyes and you think of that monster buck coming in, what do you see? Ooh. You know? I like what do that you see? too. Like, do you see a big, typical, big, non-typical, kind of something like dark antlers, light antlers? I think that would be a better way to kind of ask that. Close yeah. your eyes, my man. No. What do you, yeah. <laughs> what are you seeing right now? My <laughs> eyes are closed. <laughs> yeah, I see like the big 10-point typical buck real wide has like that nice white kind of tips to it mm-hmm. yeah, i guess that's kind of what i picture or envision like when you're sitting in the stand and you're like hoping a big buck comes yeah. out like you're not sitting there hoping you get all this character i mean that's awesome if you do but i guess that's the stereotypical like yeah big wide 10 point has white on it you know you could see it from far away i'm with you man that's that's a good see thing I mean? to dream about yeah <laughs> that just envisions it so much better when you do it that way yeah. Yeah, um, you have to close your eyes. Yeah. You got close to. You got to see that deer. You can think of it all you want, but you close your eyes and you see it. Yeah, it's they're like, really two different questions. Yeah, they are. In a way. Yeah, absolutely. I think mine's like real specific. It's like, ah, oh, he's got 37 points. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer him to be 18 to 22 inches wide. <laughs> six to eight inches of tines. <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> oh, so, well, it's fun. You know what? We didn't get into it all either. We kind of just touched on hunting, but you did touch it earlier, kind of your other activities that you're involved in. And uh, I kind of want to talk about maybe, I see a lot on your page of fishing, like you're really into fishing, but do you do any like fall turkey hunting or spring turkey hunting, I should say, small game? I know you said you did recreational shooting already, and I know you have that passion for fishing, but what other what other outdoor hunting would you like to get into or that you do now? Yeah. Not much other than whitetail hunting. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of somebody that if I'm not going to eat it, I'm not going to kill it. Not that I'm not open to ex- hunting some different uh, species, but this year was the first year I goose hunted uh, with my friend Dave. That was kind of cool, although we didn't get one. It was definitely like a cool, exciting experience, something yeah. totally different than what I'm used to. Probably the hunting that I'm most interested in getting into would be rabbit hunting and pheasant hunting. Growing up with my dad and my my brother and my cousins we walked through the woods and and searched for small game and that's kind of how i learned how to hunt like how where to stand and and things like that safety and stuff like that so i could see myself really getting into like a more of like a stalking kind of hunt with rabbit hunting and and something like that Uh, i just haven't had the opportunities to try it and certainly open to it if uh, the right opportunities arise well good for you is uh we do a lot of small game hunting so you're always welcome to join us whenever yeah, we go after the rabbits. I was going to say that, yeah. Maybe switch to pheasants this year since, you know, Joey won't let us use his beagle and all, but <sighs> that's not a subject I'll bring up right now. But, no, I do. I love <laughs> rabbit hunting, Is man. that episode 23? That might be. might be just me <laughs> and him just fighting, like in here ram fighting with our heads button. That's going to be a video podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, I'll take you up on that. Yeah, uh, man, Rabbit hunt sure. or pheasant hunt, because I feel like I would eat them, uh, eat the meat. Oh, and, it's delicious. Yeah, I've heard yeah. that. I've heard good things. You ever try wild turkey? I haven't. I don't think I have tried wild turkey. You come and do the uh, killing grill this year? I will. When is it? Uh, we haven't set a date yet, but it's yeah. usually around Last year I was mid-April. terribly sick. Yeah. Like, I missed a week from work. Um, I wanted to be there. This year I will absolutely be there. Yeah, boy. I was just thinking, because I usually do a rabbit dish, but I might do the wild turkey this year because it's phenomenal. You got how many? Bre- you got two breasts left? I got a, I got one breast left, but mm. it should be enough. I was going to say, we can make like, some, it. like turkey pastrami or something like that. That'd be Ooh, delicious. 
Yeah, see, you, you're fancier than I was. I'm thinking just cut it and make it just uh, beer battered. That'd be and, good, too. And that's how I did my last batch. With one breast, I got so much out of it. Oh, you do. They're big. They're Unbelievable. Big. And then when you add the beer batter, it adds a lot of substance right. to a little yeah. piece of meat. But I'll make turkey this year in some form. And that way, you can try the turkey, and then if you like it, there you go. Yeah, that's get the in, that's hunting. kind of the incentive I need to get out there and hunt for different species is I have to absolutely like the meat. I love yeah. whitetail uh, venison. My fiance loves it too. And so we get, and then give so much away to family and friends. I love to be able to do that. I feel like Santa Claus at Christmas <laughs> oh, being able dude. to give away deer meat. You're deer better jerky. man than I am. Well, I kind of learned the hard way this year. I might have overdone mm-hmm. it and gave away a little bit more than I wanted. And then but people are going to be asking for it. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I got to get my brother out there hunting himself because he wants quite a bit. Yeah, I think we talked about that on the last episode, didn't we? Yeah. About giving away different meat and then just people. Anytime people find out that you're successful in deer hunting, it's like they just want to kind of. And then they expect jerky. Like yeah, that's just, everybody wants everybody jerky. Everybody wants jerky. Right? They like, do. Dude, you understand how much better form of deer meat I can give you than jerky? Yeah. Like, leave the jerky for the store-bought stuff, man. That deer meat is just too good. Yeah, I feel I do you. like deer sticks, though. Yeah. I'm a but, fan. But, man, they're expensive to be made, too, and people just want them handed out. I don't, right. I don't know. Five, six bucks a pound. I, you pay me. Like, Anthony was going to go in with me because I had all the deer meat. He said he'll pay half of whatever, and we'll go in and buy a bunch of deer sticks and stuff, and we still might do it. Yeah. But that's the way to do it. I agree. In my opinion. I agree. You know, get in with someone, like, hey, you want deer sticks? I'm not going to get them done made by, by myself, but let's pitch half and half, and we'll go in and get a bunch made yeah. with yeah. my meat. No, that's all. And I'm cool with that. I you agree. Know, but they do make good gifts. Like, deer sticks, great gifts. My parents love them. Oh, a yeah. A lot of times, that's, that's what their Christmas gift was this year, was... uh sticks and cheese and crackers just a yeah. basket of stuff and they loved it i mean a couple pounds of that that's a cheap gift oh if dude you, if you're talking about like christmas time that's a cheap gift mm-hmm. you know and it goes a long ways especially when you're trying to buy for your parents like i know my yeah. dad good luck trying to figure mm-hmm. out what he wants yeah get it's him like another possible yeah i've right. reverted to like gift cards exactly you know? and that doesn't have as much i don't know no, i mean I, I hate giving gift cards but when someone asks for gift cards it's like Okay, I'll give you a gift card because you asked for it. But other than that, I will not give you a gift card. Yeah, I'm the same way. Unless it's like absolutely last minute kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. We've all been there. Wait, wait, your birthday was today? Oh, (laughs) yeah, I got you something. Yeah. (laughs) Get it for you tomorrow. (laughs) And you know what? Everybody loves deer sticks. Mm-hmm. If you don't like deer sticks, you're just a weirdo. <laughs> like, honestly, especially when it's like with the cheese in them oh, and maybe a little spicy. Goodness, oh, that reminds me of a funny story if oh. we have time. We, gotta, we, we have, have time. time. So I worked in Indianapolis, and I was in Pennsylvania hunting. Uh, I took some time off, saved up all my vacation time so I could come back to Pennsylvania and hunt. Oh, boy. Um, so while I was in Pennsylvania, some of the, the managers in Indy, some of my peers were, you know, asking, checking in, hey, did Andrew get a deer yet? You know, more just curious. So when I finally did, I, I shot a, a buck and I shot a doe. So I had a picture of me in between this buck and the doe on the other side, me in the middle, right? My rifle laying on top of the buck. I sent the picture to one of my friends, and he then showed uh, the other managers in Indy, and uh, they were happy for me, of course, and uh, they're happy I was going to come back to work, too. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I worked with uh, one lady who was from Africa, and, you know, the culture's a lot different there. And she asked me, when she saw the picture, she said, 
Andrew, how did you get those deer to sit there so perfectly for that picture? And I thought she was joking, you know, and I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm laughing, I'm laughing. And then she's like, she's like, what do you do with them after you catch them? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to catching deers. <laughs> so it, 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 it reminded me because you were saying the beef sticks. I ended up making some jerky and letting her try the deer jerky, and she oh, yeah. really liked it. So uh, that, that's just one of those stories I'll, I'll oh, never forget. Man, that. That's I awesome. Just, you, know. you should have told her it was catch and release. Yeah, exactly. It was hilarious. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's awesome. Meanwhile, you got him in a headlock. Like, that's how I kept him in place. I put him in a headlock. <laughs> yeah, I chased him down. And <laughs> that's a beautiful thing, man. That is great. All right, I, I got to end it on one note, though. That was a, that was a fantastic story, but I, I have to ask you what your best advice for a new hunter is. And this, I want you to add in there, because we, we covered this right at the very beginning, how you overcame the negative down years as an early bow hunter that kept you going. Yeah. You know? But I want you also to touch on maybe your best advice for a new hunter. I yeah. got one after that, too. Okay. Just real quick. So first off, don't give up. Because when it does happen, it's going to be totally worth it. And the longer it takes, the more you're going to appreciate it. So mm-hmm. don't give up. That That's rule number one. But I think I would have had a lot more success had I listened to advice from some of my archery friends, taking it more serious. The advice I got was play the wind. And when I learned how to actually play the wind, and, and I use an app that helps a little bit too, but when I u- learned how to play the wind, I started to have a lot more success. Prior to that, I would get so frustrated because deer would come in, they'd sent me, and they'd run away before I could shoot them. And, and everybody's experienced that, but when it happens time after time, you know, two years straight, it can really kind of get you down. So, of course, play the wind. I think especially we talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, Just Pennsylvania hunting in general, it's such a critical factor for us. That and sit still. Get off your phone. Sit still. You're out there in nature. Enjoy it. I've Mm -hmm. caught myself on my phone and then look up and there's my deer and I missed my chance. That that happened to me and and you have nobody to blame but yourself. That's So, so important. So that would be my advice. Don't give up. Play the wind the best you can and sit still and pay attention. Man, that sit still and pay attention goes to all hunters. <laughs> that goes to all hunters, not even just new ones. That's guilty. So true. Totally guilty. Yeah, we all are. Yeah. You know, there's some of them ones like you get in there real early and you're just kind of screwing around. And like you said, next thing you know, you look up and there's a deer and you're like, where did you come from? Yeah. Right. And I missed out on some opportunities in my day for that same reason. And I, I find myself like the same thing you said. I find myself. I'll be in there, and I'll be. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm hunting. Right. Why am I not enjoying hunting? Yeah. And I, I focus on that more this year, and it was such a relief, such a beautiful thing to be out there and really just taking it all in. Yeah, agree. Even if nothing's going on, there's something to see, something to enjoy, just the quiet, you know, and just the peace. It's so yep. peaceful. Oh, peaceful. Unless you hunt beside a highway. <laughs> yeah, that too. That, yeah. Those aren't so peaceful. I've done that before. Oh, man. I can't hear as it is. And then I sit next to a highway. I can't hear anything. Yeah. I'm relying on my eyes. Yep. Well, my last question for you. It's a quick, short, sweet, maybe one word, maybe two word answer. What's your favorite podcast? You don't have to say art. Don't feel obligated to say art. But mm. what's your favorite podcast? Like, overall favorite honestly this is it for me i don't listen to too many Mm. i like whitetail distraction really because i know some of the guys and i can relate you guys make it relatable um realistic i enjoy it and uh 
I'm looking forward to the future episodes. Oh, I appreciate it, man. That's awesome. It's the truth, though. It really is. <laughs> That's awesome. I appreciate they it as well, me, man. They didn't pay me to say it. Yeah, we're not paying them anything. Yes, we so. did. <laughs> some bush lights if he wants some of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's our payment. I'll take it. Had <laughs> a boy. So, well, that's, uh, you want to wrap it up there then? You got anything else? No, really cool to get to kind of talk about my hunts and share this with you guys. I'm excited for like my friends and family to get to listen to it too. I think it's what you guys are doing is absolutely awesome. I'm excited to, you know, watch you guys grow and continue to do this and uh, bring more attention to whitetail hunting. That's because it's awesome. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Appreciate I appreciate that. the kind words, man. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, well, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Gmail at the Whitetail Distraction Podcast. Send me an email. If you don't want to, you Please don't have send to. Austin an email, anybody, <laughs> even if it's just, hi, how are you? The poor kid every week, he tells me he hasn't gotten an email yet, and I feel bad for him. Plus, you know what? We still have the gift that came in today. Oh, yeah. It did. The giveaway came in today, so we're going to run this for one more week, and next episode, we're going to pick the winner uh, you get bonus. You get a bonus entry if you send Austin an email. You get a second entry. What? What? All right. So you get the first entry by liking episode twenty-one post, um, or you can like this one. I guess that works yeah, too. Either way. And then going on to uh, Ryan Tanner's episode. You know what? And listen to the the remaining rules. I'm not going to give it away. I want you to go ahead and listen to his because that's a really good episode as well. It is. So if you haven't heard episode 21 yet, it's the first time you've listened to our podcast, go back, listen to the last episode, episode 21. At the very end, we're going to go over the rules of the giveaway. And then later this week or next week, I'll post an actual post with the rules. Beautiful. That'll get everybody involved, give everybody a fair chance to get entered to win this quick fit bow sling I'm looking at from Allen. It's a real tree extra pattern. It looks really nice, man. I can dig it. You might win if you yeah. send me an email. <laughs> send an email. That's that's two entries. We'll put your name twice in a hat when I we like pull it. it next week. I like it. All, All right, right. Well, until next time, kids. The distraction's real. The distraction is real. The distraction is real. Follow Cody Kelly, Chris Ashley, and Keith Burgess as they show what hunting is like in small towns across America. Tune into Small Town Hunting, Wednesdays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.